This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Wildcatters? This week's episode was a first for us. Leland Putterman from Trivi stopped by to tell us about how they built a super successful Trivi app, but then decided to pivot into gamifying corporate knowledge retention. I thought this was super interesting. So this is probably one of the coolest things that we've seen in a while. It was definitely different for us. So we really hope you guys enjoyed the chat. But before we get into the show, this week's episode is brought to you by Wolfpack Software. Oil prices this year have crushed us. We all know that. But you know what we say, evolve or die. These days, you got to do a whole lot more with significantly less. In order to do that, you need to be able to streamline as many workflows as possible. Wolfpack makes it easy to maintain a seamless handoff of data between departments and minimizes the tedious task of data entry. In short, whether you're an EMP, oil field service company, or on the midstream side, they have business automation software to make your organization more efficient. Wolfpack automates the integration of oil field data and back office processes by enabling a single point of data capture that fuels accounting and finance operations. Their new mobile app, Wolfpack Pumper, automates the capture of pumper gauge field data and makes it immediately available to the back office, letting you analyze trends and make decisions faster. To learn more, go check them out at wolfpack.com or click the link in the show notes and tell them we sent you. What is going on, Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Will and Guest Artist Podcast. We're here with our new buddy, Leland Putterman. Did I, did I pronounce that right? <laughs> that is it correct. Puderman? It was a Puderman. No, Putterman. It's, Putterman. Yeah. There it we go. It's like golf. It's like you're a putter. Yep. There we go. Just call me Chip. <laughs> Chip, Chip Putterman over here with uh, Trivi, right? Where we, right. Our, our calendar messed it up and autocorrected to Trivia. Um, but here we are. I, know, I saw that and I was like, man, that's pretty wild that you got the name Trivia. <laughs> Seems like someone would Trademark. have that name. <laughs> yeah. So Trivi. Leland, what is Trivi? Trivi is a knowledge retention company. So we make sure that people remember what you need them to know. And that could be, I mean, a lot of people think that's just training, but it's more than just training. Uh, you, you think about, you know, today we're getting communication inside of corporations. There's information overload. And most companies have no idea what their employees know and what they don't know. And what we've discovered is that there are significant gaps in knowledge across companies. So we started out in training and then we've moved uh, and included uh, other things like making sure that your corporate communications that you need your people to know about. Think about pushing out COVID information. When you get ready to return to work, you want to make sure your employees know what you need them to know. Well, that's not necessarily training. That's just communication. And mm -hmm. if you mess up on that one, that's a big deal. Yeah. So there are all sorts of things like that. You have a Zoom meeting or, a, you know, other uh, meeting that's uh, virtual. And how do you know people are paying attention? How do you know that they're getting what you need them to get? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're at home. Some of them have kids. You ever had kids like running around <laughs> when you're doing your Zoom? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure they're getting everything you need them to get. And we just ensure that, that uh, they get it. Yeah. It's, so do you deploy this into like, is it like an app for for like for the enterprise customers or is it like a web portal that they log into? 
I'm trying to think about how well, you... Let's talk about it conceptually, because when I think about it conceptually, you know, you can sit through hours and hours of training, but it does no good if you're not retaining the information, right? Right. I mean, the same with anything, you know, think mm-hmm. about mixed martial arts or Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You can sit there and go to class after class after class, but it's about what you retain, not just about the hours spent doing an activity, right? So are you guys actually helping and aiding the retention of training, or are you just documenting what employees actually know and kind of showing the holes and gaps that a workforce might have? Yeah, we're actually doing both of those. So in essence, what we do is somebody goes through training and I wasn't aware of this until we kind of happened upon this as an industry opportunity, but there's this old curve that's been around for 150 years. It's called the Ebbinghaus curve. I'd never heard of it. It's also known the forgetting curve. And apparently, if you don't reinforce training multiple times after a training event or a learning event, could be communications, so so we kind of all-inclusively a learning event, uh, people forget in the first month about 80% of what they were trained on. Jeez. 90 days later, it's less than that. And so obviously it depends on the type of training and that type of thing. But in essence, we built this app to use brain science and best practices to engage people in learning and showing them information again in a certain spaced way that is personalized to each person uh, so that they're going to better remember their training long term. And then we use some artificial intelligence to predict when you or I will then forget that training again, three, four, five, six months later after we've mastered it. Uh, Because if you don't see it again, you're still at some point going to likely forget it again. And then we're going to ping you with another quiz and have your brain retrieve it back into your brain again and go, oh yeah, that's right. I remember that now. And okay, now I'm good for another period of time. Can I have you guys like develop this for my fighting Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Because I see, you know, that happens. It's like, you know, fighters, you have to keep fighting or right. else you, you lose it over time. Right. And you'll go through these, these ebbs and flows where you get into certain moves. And I remember the first half of it and then I forget the other last. Yeah. Half you forget, like, oh, you know, four months, four months done. later, you know, you maybe don't practice arm bars as much as you can yeah. or should, and right. you forget them. So is the type of technology, is it, you know, is it specific to a type of training or an industry, or can this method be applied to essentially anything? Well, we haven't found anything that it doesn't apply to. We're currently installed in easily 10 to 12 industries. So we've got, we've got clients across that. And then what is the most interesting when you start a company is that you see what your clients use it for. So we have people using it for leadership training reinforcement. So they go through the leadership training. Now let's make sure they remember it. Safety training, security training, sales training, product training, supply chain training, CPR training. We reinforce all of that. And there's a lot more. And so our clients have found all these different ways to use it. But back to your your point is it is an app. So if somebody has a smartphone, they can download an app. Uh, but we also support uh, HTML, which allows us to support a web access for people who don't have a smartphone because not everybody has a smartphone. Mm-hmm. So it's basically we're agnostic to how you want to use it. Most people use it on a smartphone. So what's your background? What did you do before Trivi? You know, what kind of let's talk about what you did before this and then let's dive into what led into the idea of Trivi and how 
you found this solution or this idea. So what's your background? Yep, my background right. software. So I've been in the software space for 35 plus years. Okay. Uh, I started my career at IBM, uh, left there and went to Oracle. Uh, I was one of the first guys at Oracle. And then Back when left, Oracle was a startup. Yeah, Oracle was not a, Oracle was not a big company when I got there. And then uh, I was I was there for almost ten years, and then I went to BMC Software, which is mm-hmm. probably still one of the largest, if not the largest, software company in Houston. I was an executive officer there, and then I ran a company, software company, for a while, startup. And in the meantime, I've served on several dozen boards of software companies primarily, but not entirely. And uh, I've helped mentor at Station Houston, was on the board of Station Houston. And we founded Trivi about seven seven or so years ago as a consumer trivia app. So we didn't start as a gamified <laughs> knowledge retention solution. We started as a trivia app and monetization is always interesting when you're doing gaming mm-hmm. on anything and so you know we got we got several million downloads of our app so relative to most apps it was very popular three plus million downloads but monetization still challenging and so we were getting unsolicited these people contacting us saying have you ever thought about using your platform for corporate training because when i do this i remember stuff that i didn't think i remembered so we did some research and it turns out that there's this not this forgetting curve and the whole brain science is all about making sure that people remember their training. I happened to serendipitously as we were kind of going through pivoting into the corporate training space, I ran into uh, the brain scientist that wrote the book, Make It Stick, which is all <laughs> about making training stick. So you ran into them. What is... What does that mean? What does it mean that you ran into him? So I was playing tennis with a friend of mine at Washington University in St. Louis, and he happened to be in the psychology department. And he asked what I did, and I told him about what we were doing with Trivi. And he said, well, that would be interesting to two of my colleagues. Oh, who? And he said, Henry Rodiger and Mark McDaniel. I go, Rodiger? We quote him. In our, in our presentation deck, because he said something, he's done like decades of, of research on what actually works. And our quote was, it's, it's more important what you do after training if you want training to be effective. Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy we quote. <laughs> so I met him. I always hear joined our advisory board. I hear and- lots of stories like this happen on the tennis court. I need to take up tennis, <laughs> I guess, because yeah. you're always meeting some good people out there. Same with JT and his yes, uh, the, the yeah, guy that he was so uh, one of our buddies um, who we create a lot of content with. He was doing a deal with somebody else uh, on real estate, and he didn't know that the guy that he plays against every week was the guy who actually owned the property that he was looking. Yeah, because they've been working through a broker, only and then they got broke. to talking, and they came to realize uh, that you know they were selling and, and buying from each other, and. It's like, man, that's where all but the they business just never happens. Business, they just play tennis, tennis court. <laughs> so I have a question. So you, you, so you're, you're spending all your time at IBM, Oracle, BMC. How did you land on a trivia app in the first place? Was this just for fun? Were you guys interested in trivia? Were you interested in the app business? How did you get there before you even got to, to what trivia is now today? That's a good question. So a friend of mine from high school, he and I were talking. This is probably eighteen years ago, twenty years ago in his backyard. 
about creating some sort of, at the time, application, because apps didn't exist, that uh, you could have games of skill across hundreds of thousands or millions of concurrent users. We mm -hmm. talked about a shotgun start. We talked about all this type of stuff. And, you know, flash forward about 10, 12 years after that, we're sitting around going, the technology's there now. And so we started the consumer app and, you know, we got a lot of downloads for sure, but uh, just monetization. I mean, even something like HQ Trivia that got two and a half to three million down, uh, daily active users at one point, they still had a monetization issue. They only, they, they barely exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, HQ Trivia, they shuttered up, right. they, they went under and then I think they came back right. during the COVID quarantine um, to give it another shot. But HQ Trivia is really, it's kind of a fascinating story, right? You know, serial founders go and create HQ Trivia. It really looks like the future. You know, you're, you're. That's in not this, exactly how I imagine. Like, yeah, the, you're in this interactive game like with so many, so many people. Yeah. And in the early stages of HQ Trivia is really fun. Um, but then the servers really started kind of lagging as they got millions and millions right. of players on there. But I was always wondering, you know, I was like, how are they monetizing this? Because their costs had to be insanely high to do that. And so I could see even with that model, you know, you, you get this network effect where it's extremely popular, but you still have a hard time monetizing it. I'm just shocked that they didn't, I mean, this is obviously off topic, but I'm just shocked that they didn't have advertising while we were all waiting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that was easy. That was easy. You have 2 million people waiting for, sometimes it was like 10 minutes. Yeah. And there's no, they were showing you those, that, that stupid screen. Yeah. You're sitting in there. Really? You got the, you got the public chat going on, which you can't even keep up with the public chat right. because it's just, just bam, 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 yeah. bam, comments going up and down. Right. That and then, you know, sponsored comments, you know, or sponsored questions, you know, right. this one's from Pepsi or this trivia about questions about Pepsi. $1 a month subscription. I well, mean, that's what many, we were going to do. We were going to do, we were going to start with crosswords 20 years ago and it was like a buck to play uh, each, each time you play. And in essence, we would take a rake kind of like, uh, you know, gambling, mm -hmm. not kind of like gambling. It was gambling. We, <laughs> yeah. actually, we, actually, we actually did a review of gambling. We had, we hired an attorney. We were really serious about this. We hired an attorney 20 years ago and they, they told us, okay, these 20 states, you probably can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> that may have changed by now, but it was basically a buck to play. But if you win and we have 50,000 people playing, you win 25,000 bucks. Yeah. And then, you know, we would, we would distribute more of the money because we, we wanted to pay out a certain high number of the top people because you know the unfortunate thing i've we've learned a lot more about uh, that type of thing whenever you have games like that people will figure out a way to kind of rig the system like you'll have always 10 people playing versus one person playing or you'll have like the guy on jeopardy that's just he's just way better than everybody remember the guy that that won like yeah. um, you know a million dollars or something like that and nobody was getting even close to mm -hmm. him you'll have somebody like that and you know, I've watched either of you ever done the New York Times crossword? No. Mm -mm. A little before it's my time. It's hard for most people. But I know people that can do it in like five to ten minutes. Really? That's every crazy. Every time. <laughs> with this guy that worked with us at Oracle, is that when you guys are like finished, let me know and I'll come in and I'll complete it. Well, this is like I mean, I saw this playing daily fantasy sports back in the day, you know, when FanDuel and DraftKings were just coming out. 
like you're about to hear my nerd come out, but I'd spend 40 or 50 hours a week playing daily fantasy sports. And while everyone else is, you know, chipping in a dollar and, you know, picking their lineup, I was running, you know, doing statistical analysis to pick a pool of 25 players, run, running an algorithm that would generate a hundred lineups using those 25 players and then had a script that would upload 200 lineups. And so that's why DFS started coming under fire, you know, in New York and Texas and some other states because it resembled a lot. It looked like gambling, you know, they're taking a rake and then you have whales and people that are manipulating the game by using algorithms and mass uploading scripts. So there's always going to be people out there that are looking at how can they game the system, right? Or just be better than everyone else. And so it's no, it's no surprise that you would see that in a trivia game setting as well. Yep. And you know, I, I was going to have Jake, do you remember this conversation? I don't remember who said it, but someone a while back brought us an idea for digital wildcatters. They said, have you ever got, have you guys ever thought about doing like some trivia app? And they started talking about like customer and market research that is delivered through the form of trivia. So you start creating this game, people are playing, but then you know, you have companies that are trying to do Ooh, some type I of, I can't remember was. who is talking about that, but it just kind of seems to fall in line yeah. with the, this whole conversation of you could do different things with a trivia format. And this is a hell of a pivot that you guys had, you know, going from just strictly a trivia game to a uh, knowledge retention system. But it's really, it's just really interesting to hear that you guys went with that trivia app, you know, especially given your background, but it seems like you know, that was probably what year was that when you guys actually decided to do the trivia game? The trivia game from a consumer perspective? Yeah, yeah. 2012, 2013. Yeah, so I mean, that's, you know, right in the, you know, early days, probably like the heydays of apps taking off with, with iPhones and everything. What do you attribute a lot of the success for the consumer version of the product on the, on the trivia side? Was it due to the fact that you guys were kind of early to apps in general, or was it some kind of secret sauce in the way that you guys were actually presenting the trivia game? Well, it's always a combination of, of things. One of the things that we did that was very unique is that uh, we had what we called spotlight games. Mm-hmm. So we would go to uh, DreamWorks and say Madagascar, uh, we will uh, we will partner with you. You guys will si- send us your trivia questions on Madagascar, and that'll be a spotlight game that that somebody will have the trivia content and be able to play against them their friends. We had the we had a Breaking Bad game. Hmm. We had a uh, Sugar Ray Leonard game. That's we had a cool. Snoop we had hmm. a Snoop Dogg game. We had, <laughs> we had fifty of them. How good is your Snoop Dogg trivia? What's that? How good is your Snoop Dogg trivia? Mine's terrible. <laughs> But the whole point is, is unique distribution strategy, which is a lot of times that's what worked. And now what we do is we we kept that platform. It allows any company to brand it. So any of our customers, when they, when they push out a, a, a trivy to their employees, it's got their logo on it. It's got, it's their game. Yeah. It's all white labeled content. It's seamless. And then after they play the game, they can then get invited into a discussion board about that topic, which I think is unbelievably powerful that you're able to discuss something that is specific as far as being able to leverage best practice across a corporation. Because that's the thing that's that, that gets lost every time you lose one of your old-time employees. They leave with a bunch of, mm-hmm. of 
really good knowledge. So you think about, you know, us, we call ourselves the knowledge retention company. And it's not just about your employees remembering their learning event they just had or some sort of communication event. But you're also able to leverage best practice in your organization. And if you told any CEO that there's a solution out there that can bring your average employee's knowledge base way up by leveraging the best practice across your organization, would you would you do it? It's like, of course you would. Mm-hmm. And that's what we give people is the ability to start leveraging their best practice. So I came out of sales. It would, it would have been incredible when I first started in sales to be able to go through some sort of quizzing on particular topics like here's a specific thing on negotiations and then have have some of the best sales reps say, I've been in this situation and here's what I did. I've been in this situation, here's what I did. Uh, same thing's true for virtually every job in organizations. And one of the big things that face, you know, you think about the oil and gas industry here in Houston, it's knowledge retention. They have people that are leaving their organizations and they're leaving 30, they're taking 30 to 40 years of knowledge with them. Have you leveraged that? Have you leveraged them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's particularly the, true, especially in oil and gas these days. Too. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you have the great crew change in oil and gas that everyone talks about. And it's what tribal knowledge are you losing as the older generation leaves, especially now? You know, you think about these petroleum engineers that are coming out of school, say they graduated in 2008, 2009. All they've done is reservoir engineering on shale. And so there's a lot of questions. Can these guys go and find oil in conventional fields? And a lot of the old timers think that they can't. So now that you have those, you know, 40, 50 year petroleum engineers leaving the industry, how do you retain that knowledge that they're taking with them? Right. You know, so imagine a discussion board where after you just took something on how to discover oil in a conventional field, Mm -hmm. you then go there and you go to some of your top, uh, performers, and you say, we want you to lead the discussion board. We want you to lead people to be able to understand what your knowledge base is. So you white label this product for companies. So, you know, if it's Baker Hughes and oil and gas using it, you know, it looks like a Baker Hughes platform, you know, it's got their logo on there. Um, how does it, how does it operate? So say that I'm a manager Am I the one that's in, you know, am I inputting the trivia questions? Am I coming up with the questions and the answers? And then, you know, say I come up with 20 of them and then I'm, I'm pushing it out. You know, how does it actually work from a manager's standpoint if yeah. I wanted it to deploy it? Yeah. So I'll take you through the, 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 the flow, the, in essence, the workflow. But before I do that, you got to understand how the brain remembers stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the brain's, a, the brain is a muscle and you have to work the muscle. So these two professors that I met, their research, in essence, they came up with a couple things. The first thing is something called retrieval practice. And that is when you see something after you've for- forgotten it, you then re-remember it. That's retrieving it back into your brain. And you go, oh, yeah, that was the right. Now I remember that. And then we want you to forget again. Not necessarily that specifically, but we're going to give you some more time. That's called spaced repetition. And then we're going to reintroduce some more questions and they're going to be different ones depending on the person. And so you're going to see that. Uh, and then you have something called interleaving where you see different types of formatting and modes and things like that. So all of those help the brain exercise itself. 
and you do that for roughly four to six weeks for most people after the training, and they've mastered it. Mm -hmm. They've got it for some period of time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's in essence what we do. The way the workflow works is uh, you've got several options. The first one is uh, my favorite because it's relative to a corporate communication. Uh, and this would be the easiest to implement in our solution. Let's say that a typical corporate communication you push out via email. That's what they do. And typically there's an attachment. Hey, watch, you know, check out this earnings report. Check out this video from the CEO. Check out, you know, a PDF on COVID, stuff like that. And that's it. Those are opened as little as 50% of the time by most employees across all industry. Yeah. It's just a fact. And then if you look at how many people actually not only open it, but actually open the link, it's less than 25% yeah. for most industries. Yeah, you're probably talking like 10%. Yeah. So the numbers flights. are the numbers are terrible. And we don't even know if they get it or not because we never we never do anything to make sure that they get it if you need them to get it. Earnings report, maybe I don't care. But COVID stuff, I know specifically of a company that has tens of thousands of employees and they pushed out a PDF. There's no other communication. They just pushed out a PDF. It's perfect. So – in our scenario, you would either push out a PDF, a Word document, or a video and have that be a prerequisite before you take the quiz. So you're going to get a push notification on your phone. When you open it up, it says you need to watch this or read this before you take the quiz. So they're going to watch it or read it. When they're done, they, take, they get automatically pushed into the quiz. Might be five questions, ten questions. And then they either get invited to discussion boards or they're done. Okay, that's it. They can obviously, I mean, in, inside of our app, you can challenge a friend, see if you can do as well as I can do. But the analytics are going to basically show the company who got it and who didn't get it. Okay, if it was me and I was a C-level executive and I knew this particular app existed, it wouldn't be an option. It'd be mandatory for critical communications or critical training. Because what we have proven over the last several years is that for things like safety training, compliance training, et cetera, typically when we got involved with the company, the knowledge retention when we did an initial assessment was 40 to 50% maybe. With Trivi, a year after training, it's over 90%. So you're telling me That's I don't wild. have the knowledge gaps relative to safety. I don't have any of that type of risk associated with it. But more importantly, all of a sudden my, my average knowledge base is – way higher inside of the organization. So you get the double whammy of risk avoidance and productivity improvement. Everyone got smarter. Yep. So how, how complex is the onboarding process for an enterprise It's client? simple. Super simple? It's simple. Uh, the example I always give is uh, Subway was one of our first clients. Mm. And Subway licensed our solution the Friday after Thanksgiving that particular year. And the next Tuesday, they launched it themselves. We never touched them. Wow. It's a self-service app. Okay. And it has to be self-service. The reason why is that training and communication are always happening. And you can't wait for, oh, we got to bring in this company. We got to get the content. And in fact, back to your question on the content. Content, where, where's it come from? Yeah. So in a typical learning environment or a training environment, or even a communication environment, it's going to it, it, the training is probably the most 
uh, obvious. But after training, you typically take a quiz to see if you got the training. And it's typically 10 to 20 questions. Those are the questions. You're not trying to trick people. You're using a retrieval practice. So there's, there's no reinvention of the content. They're already available. When it comes to Zoom meetings, it'd be kind of interesting. We're going to have a real important Zoom meeting. Okay, great. What do you want people to get out of it? These four things. Okay, those are the questions. Mm -hmm. How about corporate? Uh, some other type of corporate communication? We can't come up with any, we, we don't know. Like, okay, well, that's not an important one. That's not going through this channel. So we highly advocate create priority channels relative to knowledge retention. Because if you don't create a priority, there is no priority. Yeah. You're letting your employees prioritize what's important to them. That sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. So what we would advocate is you have a high, high priority, highly critical communication and training uh, channel. Anything that goes through that, that's mandatory. Other things, maybe they're not as mandatory. Maybe you make them optional. Maybe you have some other way to get people to read it. But for the real important stuff, you got to have a different channel. Everything's, there's too much noise nowadays. When it used to be that you'd get 10, 15 emails a day, email was pretty effective. Yeah. I don't know anybody who gets that few of emails. We get a whole boatload of emails. And if you're at a big company with tens of thousands of employees, somebody's always sending you something on email. Yeah. Yeah. So, Is there any science behind, I know you talked about some of the intervals in which you would want to quiz people so that they can retain the knowledge and recall that. What about, is there a certain limit of number of quizzes that somebody should take in a short period of time in order to retain it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and then, you know, we recommend from a best practice standpoint, it's typically if you go through some sort of training event, let's, let's just say compliance training, you'll get a trivia five days after the training mm. so that you've already forgotten some stuff. And that's the thing that always blows my mind is some people have already forgotten 80%. I mean, legitimately, but people have already started forgetting and you'll get that first quiz. And then that starts your, your own personalization because our, our, our app automatically adapts to each individual. So your own personalization will then start spacing you out. So we want your cadence to slow down because you're doing way too well. So your, your cadence might be, you're not going to see, you got everything right. You're not going to see anything for 10, 15 days, mm -hmm. but on average a month, of trivia, you're spending maybe eight minutes in the app and you're going to have 90 some odd percent retention versus 50, 30, it's mm. crazy. 20. I'd like to see a case study of Zoom call meetings and information. Yeah. You know, people are sitting there on Zoom calls just on their phone, like on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> yeah, just the entire time. Fucking well, here, off, yeah. Well, here's a perfect, um, you know, analogy to that. Uh, 10 years ago, when you went to a hotel you flew on an airplane, you went to a restaurant, whatever. Did you get a survey after you went? No. Mm -mm. What do you do now? What what happens now? Get a survey. Always. Like three of them. <laughs> right. And they're optional, which they should be. So we have surveying capability too. So we can find out how your employees are feeling as well. So it's, it's an all-in-one type of platform. But that's not my, the point. The point is that after a learning event, if you're not sending out a quiz, to make sure that people actually got it, you're missing a huge opportunity. It's It could be three questions, it could be five, it could be 10 questions. That is not gonna take somebody who actually listened more than a minute to two minutes to take that 
And then all of a sudden you have feedback immediately on what they missed. Yeah. On the personalization side, you said that the the app begins to kind of learn either some kind of patterns or how much you're retaining. What is the app actually looking for and how is it personalizing to, to the individual? Yeah, what it's looking for is how you're answering the questions and what questions you're actually missing. And so then it'll do some sort of, you know, analysis and determine, okay, you need to have your spacing be this versus that. And then the more information it gets about you, the better it gets as far as serving you up the right questions to get you to a level of mastery. Mm. That's the first piece. That's the adaptive technology. And the second piece, which is really the artificial intelligence, is that we've trained the engine to basically look for and predict when you're going to forget again, you specifically. And that looks at your entire history. Mm. That's pretty interesting. So you'll use the machine learning to identify patterns of, you know, hey, Jake, you're going to forget this information next Tuesday. So, you know, next Monday, we want you to do your training again. No, it's probably not even going to be training again. It could just be we're going to push out a quiz and you're going to you are going to get a certain number of questions where it jiggers your retrieval mm-hmm. yeah that, that's, that's what i meant by training that it's going to send you another quiz you know it's like flashcards you're going to be doing your flashcards again to jog your memory and and yep. be reminded of the information so why did you guys uh, i mean i don't want to get like too off topic but now i'm thinking of a ton of different use cases for this stuff oh, i've got a use case we're yeah, about so, to do well, digital wallcatters trivia with digital wallcatters <laughs> trivia right there right off the bat <laughs> Uh, how many times does Colin talk about jujitsu across the episodes? <laughs> it's, 80, it's, 80 episodes. How many episodes do we have? That's the number. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I see a huge application in schools, right? I think that's the biggest thing is you're, you're constantly being bombarded with tons and tons of new information and you're not able to retain it all, right. you know? And so have you guys considered, you know, going to either I don't know, grade schools or colleges or any other way to kind of implement this kind of technology there? The answer to that is Yes. Uh, we have some colleges that are using it for for specifically Title IX compliance. The ch- the real challenge with universities and and K through twelve for that matter is getting anything done takes forever, and know, they don't have money, and they typically don't have a lot of money. So that wouldn't be my first industry to go after. Yeah, just just because of the the demographic of it and what I know about that those industries, and there are other industries like that too. By the way, they're just late adopters. You mm-hmm. have a late adopter industry, and you go, okay, yeah, I'm not going there early. But you know, the compliance stuff it's kind of interesting. Title IX compliance. Yeah, what is when, that? When you guys went to college, you might have done it, but it was basically uh, alcohol abuse. Uh, sexual harassment training, things like that. And for the last umpteen years, when you go through Title IX compliance training, when you're a freshman at any federally funded university, it's a requirement. Every freshman has to watch a video. You get done with the video, and then you have to answer a series of questions, and you have to pass it. That's it. And unfortunately, the way that most universities have set it up is uh, you watch the video, you take the quiz, you fail it, and then you get to take it again, you fail it, and then you get to take it again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how they work. So, you know, you know what's probably going to happen in that scenario. What we advocated was, that's great that you're doing that. Go above and beyond because one thing that we know is that they're going to forget that training. Guarantee you. And they're definitively going to forget it when they're drunk. Mm-hmm. So why don't you do more than what the federal government is requiring of you and actually use trivia to reinforce the training? So a couple of universities have taken us up on it. 
what's interesting is that we had probably four or five universities three years ago first sign up and do some Title IX stuff. And 65% of the students that got the following question answered it incorrectly. Whose responsibility is it to gain consent during a sexual encounter? 65% missed that. It's a multiple choice hmm. question. So the Title IX coordinators went, oh, my God, we need to make sure that they get that. So we need to focus the learning on that a little bit better than we're doing because it can't be just, hey, they missed it and the question was wrong because they did look at the question. It's they missed it. Yeah. So they re-looked at the question. Maybe they changed it. Maybe they didn't. But the most important thing was this can't be even a doubt. They have got to know whose responsibility it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think another major use case is I've kind of become fascinated with the idea of disrupting the traditional resume. I think it's completely antiquated in 2020. I don't think it's indicative of what someone, like the knowledge and the skills that someone possesses. And I think also the same time, you can just lie. I mean, you can just lie on a resume and put whatever the hell you want on there. But what if you're able to test through that on a variety of different things. And show then, me your trivia score. Yeah, show it's me your, your trivia score, score on uh, this topic, this topic, this topic for whatever you're going to be applying. Like I think for. about like applications for oil and gas. Like just like that, that instance you brought up there, what is training in the oil and gas industry where most people just kind of go through it, pencil whip it, but it's extremely important information that's critical when you need it. And then in that situation, you're probably going to forget it. Well control is a huge mm -hmm. topic in oil and gas, right? So a lot of people go through it. They pistol whip it. They don't pistol pencil whip it. They don't truly understand how to control. Yeah. How to control a well. And guess what? When a well's blowing out on you and shit's mm -hmm. about to kill everyone and burn the well down and the rig down, you need to remember it. And so reinforcing with a program like Trivi kind of ingrains it in your mind to where it becomes second nature to where you do have a well control issue. You're able to shut in the well and rely on your training that you had instead of just kind of going through it and, and forgetting it. Like you wouldn't believe the amount of people that I've encountered on locations that have no idea how to control a well and they're, they're BOP well control certified. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's absolutely exactly right. Nice. I mean, we've had, we've had some oil and gas companies use us for work from home best practices. So that not only do they leverage the, the quizzing, but they also leverage the discussion boards and then social learning where people would send in, here's what I'm doing to stay sane. Here's what I'm doing to stay effective. And that's huge. Uh, I think a lot of companies are going to use our app for return to work because if you mess that one up, I think you, you, you could have some fisticuffs at offices. People show up and, <laughs> and one person's wearing a mask and another person isn't and yeah. they go, go in for the hug and yeah. they get a punch instead. Yeah. <laughs> you could have that. Yeah. So, so anyway, was, those, those, those are some obvious ones. One of my favorite ones, though, one of our clients is a basically a wine restaurant company. So they do tastings and wine pairings and things like that. And they have several thousand employees and they use Trivi to make their uh, their servers more knowledgeable about the wine. And they went absolutely nuts on the app. That's pretty cool. They went nuts. And you think about the knowledge that you need. It has to be in your brain. They had several thousand employees answer several million questions over six months. Wow. And they were having fun at it. And then the other thing that they did that I thought was really, really unique that really engaged their culture is they would have Trivi Tuesdays mm -hmm. 
where they basically did different types of trivia games that where they did prizing like Super Bowl trivia or Valentine's Day trivia or baseball trivia, whatever. And it was just a fun way to engage employees and they would have leader, you know, we have leaderboards and all that type of stuff. And it's, you could have different groups competing against each other and it really fosters that community and uh, the teamwork. Yeah, yeah that, that's awesome. That was going to be my next question is if you got any kind of like gamification, but I think you answered yeah, that. We have like badging also. Yeah. yeah, we've got all sorts of that type of thing. And some people actually, you know, some of our customers have done prizing. You know, if you want engagement, gamification's one way to do it. Give away free you know, stuff. <laughs> it almost, yeah, exactly. Free stuff always drives engagement. But to me, it's back to that prioritization for the critical communication stuff. I, I still think that level, you ought to make it mandatory. For some of the other levels, maybe you do some prizing and some some uh, you know gamification, or all of them is going to have gamification. But but you you focus a little bit more on recognition and leadership. Hey, look, this person read all of these communications in the company, and they're going to get a trip somewhere. Yeah. So if someone wants, you know, someone's listening to the episode and they want to try it out for their organization, how do they get in contact with you guys? Are they actually downloading the app or are they going to your website and filling out a contact form or an inquiry? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, they'd go to our, our website, www.trivie.com and fill out a contact and our people will get back with them. Awesome. Well, Leland, thanks for coming on the show, man. This is really interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. I think uh, it's, off, it's something that's very I'm overlooked. To get, I'm going to get him off the mic so I can talk to him about some Wildcatter <laughs> trivia. So look out for it sometime. Maybe we'll do some Wildcatter trivia games. <laughs> you know, in, in, in real life, if this was like a, a real meeting, I'd send you all a trivia quiz to make sure that you guys got what I needed you to get. Yeah. <laughs> so we can expect that quiz coming through our email soon to see if we retain the information. Right. <laughs> all right, Leland, thanks for coming on, man. Yep. Thanks for having me. Yep. I guess if you enjoyed this episode, uh, just send it to all your colleagues. Just just go down to your email, select all, forward it to everybody that you work with. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, love you guys. Thanks for all the support. we got a whole lot of big things coming. Check out the YouTube, which we're putting out a whole bunch more uh, video content. We kind of took a break for a while. It's expensive. It's time consuming. It's a lot of work. Audio is so much easier. But we're back on YouTube. So go check that out. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Cool.